This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, you are listening to the Blue Monday podcast. This is a three times weekly audio show looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom and I'll be here each and every Friday for the Blue Monday preview show with a very special guest to get their inside view on the next opponents for Ipswich Town. Ladies and gentlemen, representing Preston North End, he is the host of the Championship Roundtable podcast writer for the deep dale digest welcome back second yep. appearance mr james vickers yeah thank you for having me back obviously it must have done all right last time that you want to have me back on so yeah looking forward to it yeah we were just talking before we hit record about the last podcast which was quite amusing what you didn't mention is that i just moved into this house and okay yeah i had so last time we spoke to james i had no heating and I tried to put the heater on and I had a little fan heater thing and it made too much noise. And I was using my next door neighbor's Wi-Fi. Yes, I remember Skype. that, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sat at the bottom of a staircase with no heating, just absolutely dying. Anyway, what were your so, memories of the last appearance on the podcast? Yeah, well, as well as that, yeah, there was uh, obviously you were telling me about the Burton fan that you know, I think the week before, oh which, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I won't go too much into that. Um, thank and, you. Yeah. We'd like to thank him for giving up his time, but the podcast didn't go yeah. well. <laughs> so, yeah, apart from that, there was uh, sort of anything from covering the game, which turned out to be quite a, a bad game that obviously we'll get into in a bit. Oh, uh, great detail, James. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, anything from that to uh, sort of wrestling and Joe Garner on a pole match, which who who won the Joe Garner on a pole match? Uh, well, considering the result on the day, I'd like to say you did. Was it so, not? Was it not Bastian Booger or Special Delivery Jones? I think it might have been Special Delivery Jones. I think we'll go for yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a complete in joke for anyone who used to watch wrestling in the 1980s. There we go. Um, Right, uh, one other thing we need to clear up, James. Um, we were both booked on a podcast recently and you didn't turn up because you went to see a concert by the script. Is this yes. ex- is this acceptable behaviour in any way, shape or form? I would like to think it is. Uh, <laughs> dep- <laughs> depending on who you ask, uh, they might have a different opinion. But the, uh, the night was really good. Um, 
so yeah the next day when i was meant to record the podcast i had no voice left which um obviously wouldn't have gone down well on a podcast um so i had to phone in a favor of uh, louis the sheffield wednesday fan so he straight yeah. baited that one he's straight he's done me <laughs> he's straight baited. um right let's go back then and you were at the game you traveled down didn't you uh fourth of november portman road um I think this is Ipswich's biggest win of the season. I, I'm pretty. Oh, they won five two against Sunderland, um, but so it was Ipswich three, Preston nil. Um, so Preston were in the middle of an injury crisis, had no fit centre backs. Um, Waghorn, McGoldrick, and Selina with the goals for Ipswich. Um, what are your memories of the game, James? Uh the weekenders, or as it normally does with Preston, I've come to expect the sort of worst part of the weekend is normally the football. Uh, having said that, we've been doing all right since that, so I can't really complain. But yeah, the actual weekend, great. Uh, enjoy going down to Ipswich. The actual match, though, art wise, you said it's one of your biggest wins of the season. It's our heaviest defeat of the season. Um, so try to forget as much of it as possible. It's the worst I've seen us play this season, and obviously. You can put that down to the injuries, but you know the the eleven who turn up on the day didn't sort of cover themselves in any glory, really. Um, and at the end of the day, it could have been you know four or five. I think you were unlucky not to get a couple more, and I wouldn't have had any arguments if it had been that scoreline. We were sort of simply that poor on the day, really. Yeah. So what I remember is, I mean, you'd smartened us up on the pod before that you were going to have a fullback and a centre midfielder, possibly playing centre halves, and. The first half, and we've had this with McCarthy quite a few times now, the first half was just utterly terrible, wasn't it? It was like yeah. both teams were doing that championship thing of, um, right, well, the easiest way we can defend is if the ball is in the other half and we squeeze up. And you just you just basically had both teams trying to get the ball away from their goal to set up further yeah. forward. Horrible, wasn't it? The other thing I remember, James, is um, and your um, your goalie's pretty good, but very weird opening goal right on half time where he seemed to just have the wall in the wrong place. Or no, did he have the wall in the wrong place, or was he standing in the wrong place? Yeah, I think he had the wall sort of to the side that you'd expect, and then obviously you'd expect him then to stand the other side, and the wall's protecting that side. But he stood, you know, behind the wall and basically said, "Here you go, put it in that top corner." Which um, I think was it. It was Waghorn. Waghorn, yeah, did. And and the, obviously... but the, the thing is, James, if I'm a goalie playing against Waghorn, I know that he's got a really powerful shot. He's not going to curl it and, you know, chip it yeah. cleverly over the wall. So pretty much I need a I need a big wall and just cover one side of the goal because I know he's not going to chip it. And then yeah. stand there. And it seemed to go right through him, didn't it? Yeah, basically sort of where we were sat in the stand as well, it was glaringly obvious sort of what was about to happen. And it's one of those where you can sort of hear people around you talking and, you know, everyone apart from obviously the goalkeeper. And it's by no means me telling him how to do his job because he's been fantastic for us since. But it was one of those real sort of moments where you can just almost five, ten seconds ahead, you know what's going to happen. And right before half time as well, it sort of set the tone for the second half then, which obviously, you know, was quite disappointing. Yeah, so second half, um, Preston kind of ran out of steam. You did predict that this was going to happen going into the international break. Um, what I do remember, we dropped back and Pearson was having a lovely time for about the last half hour. He looked he looked decent. And I mean, we'll talk about Hugel a bit a bit more. Um, you yeah. know, when, when we get to when we get to January, but I mean, 
it's a, if you look at Preston's results, it's a bit of an outlier that one, isn't it? And I think just the combination of injuries and Alex Neal knowing that they had two weeks off and probably just saying, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's fair, yeah. Yeah, if you look at our sort of form throughout the season as a whole, we've had six defeats all season. And four of those came sort of consecutively around that time. So if we could have really either kept players fit or sort of wiped that month off the calendar and play those four again, I reckon, obviously, we've drawn too many games to be sort of going for the top two. But I think we'd be sort of further in the playoff mix than we actually are. So... That month, come the end of the season, could be sort of the month where you look and think, actually, yeah, there's the the month really that sort of cost us, you know, a playoff spot or, or potentially even something higher. And that's the month where if you're Villa, you get the injuries and you put in some guy who's making three million a year anyway and has played 100 Premier League games. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was quite evident on Tuesday night, actually. They uh, they brought off Snodgrass injured at halftime and they bring on Lewis Graben, who, you know, is sort of a couple of million pound player. So, yeah, it says it all, really. Quite. Um, so, great result for Ipswich, bad result for Preston, but the narrative is big mitigating circumstances with with, with all the injuries. Um, funnily enough, though, after that game, we go to the international break, um, the players start coming back, and Preston did not lose a single game for the rest of the year. Um, you already mentioned... Lots of draws. Um, so five wins and four draws, which is very good. Excellent form. Um, and wins at Bristol City and Cardiff as well. Can you talk a bit about that run? And I, I assume those two are the standout games. You might tell me tell me differently. Tell me about that, that run and any standout performances. Yeah, so literally that run, as you said there, the two games when you asked me earlier about sort of highlights of the season so far are actually the two games that I've got on my notes um, okay. sort of after we've played Ipswich. So yeah, the the game against Bristol particularly, you know, we're coming in off the back of four defeats and we go there, which is probably one of the hardest places to go in the division. The way, um, they, the way they play, they're so um, at you and quick and yeah. horrible to play against, aren't they? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you said there. And I think... Over recent years, we've been sort of Bristol's bogey team. And I think part of that is the way we set up. Obviously, this season, everyone's sort of highlighted our disciplinary issues. We've had far too many yellow cards. But as Alex Neal's sort of come out and said, it's it's more than to sort of the game that we play and, you know, literally booking rather than us being overly physical and, you know, bad tackles. So going to Bristol, we do like to get sort of in your faces and sort of press quite out of the pitch. That kind of played into our favour a little bit and it was probably the right time to play them out of anyone in the division I'd say to get off the back of that losing uh, run that we were on Um, we went down there and you know we came in off the international break and we looked a completely different side we had a couple of players back fit and that was really sort of telling in the game Um, you know it was a close game on paper been 2-1 but they got a goal I think in the 94th or 95th minute but for the the majority of the game, it was sort of back to how we had been for those first two or three months of the season. And it was quite pleasing to see that they'd all sort of gathered together after the international break and, you know, started to put that run together, like you mentioned. And then, yeah, just before the turn of the new year to go to Cardiff and, you know, nick a last minute winner really has sort of set us up quite nicely now going into sort of the business end of the season. What interests me is you pick out those two games and obviously we've just we just lost to Cardiff on Wednesday and Preston have gone away and won at both teams but you couldn't get more opposite 
ways of playing than Bristol City yeah. and Cardiff. Bristol City are really pacey and really, you know, pass quite quickly and, um, you know, just a, I think they're quite fun to watch actually as much as it pains me because I don't particularly like Lee Johnson. But um, And Cardiff are the total opposite, aren't they? Just pragmatic, yeah. throw-ins, set plays, big guys at the back, solid. Did he change anything around or did he just stick to... You talked about the start of the season. What What is that? What is that style and how did that work against two teams like that? So, yeah, I think particularly at the start of the season, we, especially with Alex Neal coming in sort of late into the transfer window with Grayson leaving, going to Sunderland, even though we'd been in the division the last two years, it was kind of an unknown quantity to us. No one really knew how we were going to play over those first couple of games compared to last season. So it's quite hard to sort of prepare for us the sort of the main difference that Neil's changed really compared to Grayson. Grayson would be a lot more happy to sort of sit back, soak up pressure, and then hit teams on the break. And while we've got more or less the same personnel as we did last season under Grayson, Neil's sort of instilled a sort of quite a, a high press into the team now. So obviously that goes hand in hand with the bookings that we've been having. Um, you know, players are still learning the way that Neil wants to play, but he's he's a lot more sort of in your face. So the game at Bristol, we just didn't let them settle and get into sort of their passing and free-flowing attacking football that, you know, the league has come to expect off them. So we nullified that quite well in the in the Bristol game. And to go on to the Cardiff game, like you said, it, was, it wasn't more of the same. We kind of made it a bit more of like a scrappy game. So you mentioned there that Cardiff are a team who likes to get the ball in the box, throw-ins, that kind of thing. And we sort of didn't really play into their hands. We kept the ball sort of down on the ground, in and amongst the middle of the pitch. I think if you went back and I'd be interested to see the stats, I don't think our wingers really touched the ball all game. We played quite narrow and compact. And that's a sign really of sort of Alex Neal's willingness to adapt, whereas Grayson over the last couple of years has been a bit stubborn and, you know, stuck to sort of what he knows. And, you know, we finished 11th both seasons, which, you know, there's no real progress there. Whereas Alex Neal hasn't been afraid to come in. And even though it's still Grayson's players, so to speak, he's sort of changed the philosophy of the club. And he seems like a manager now who can adapt to different play styles, depending on what team we're playing. And, you know, it stands us in good stead for the future. Excellent. Yeah, great answer. Um, So we get into January and really the narrative, it's all, it's all Jordan Hugel in January. So um, I was one of these saps sat on my phone at like 11 p.m. just hoping <laughs> we were going to get Jordan Rhodes on loan or something like that. Um, and you tweeted out on uh, deadline day that so so just to, so Hugel goes to West Ham for nine million. Um, and you tweeted out that you're actually quite impressed at the way they'd kind of dealt with with the whole thing. Can you just take us through the whole saga and can you start a year before when Ipswich are linked with Hugel for two million? Yeah, so yeah, it kind of was, as you said, like a year-long saga. So over sort of the January transfer window last season, um, there was sort of rumours really of him potentially going. And at that point, he was even though he was playing well for us and scoring a few goals, he wasn't really sort of imperative to the way we sort of played he was almost like another spoke on the wheel so luckily we did hold on to him but at that stage if he had have gone I don't think he would have been that hard to replace there was other players we had at the time who could have come in and done the similar job to him so then you go into the summer and obviously he hands in a transfer request and obviously Grayson going to Sunderland you have that issue um, potentially Hugill going it was sort of 
quite a period of turmoil for us, really, um, even though we'd had sort of a decentish finish. The year before, there was a lot of questions and sort of people's futures up in the air. So to keep hold of him like we did really sort of showed a statement of intent really early on from Alex Neal, which impressed quite a lot of fans. And then, you know, he's, he's always come out and said that if a big offer does come in for Hugh Gill, he's not going to stand in his way of, you know, potentially a once-in-a-lifetime chance to go and play Premier League football. So what was impressive as well, he he didn't let Hugh get affected by that sort of media circus that was around him. He, he made him get his head down, basically said to him, you know, you carry on playing the way you were, you are doing and it'll be a Premier League team that comes in rather than sort of a high-end championship team or, or someone in the championship. So that's what he did for the first half of this season. And to get £9 million for someone who we signed off Port Vale, who wasn't even getting a game for Port Vale when we signed him, I think we got him for about 20000 30000 Could be sort of a bit off with that figure, but, you know, nothing in this day and age. To have him for a few years, loan him out to Hartlepool, and then to make that amount of money off him is, you know, really impressive. Um Sort of with with the tweet that I put out saying you know that it's great business and while I was sort of a bit gutted to lose him, there was sort of almost because he's a big physical striker an over reliance on us to to hit the ball long, whereas everyone else in our team really isn't suited to long ball football and and since Hugo has gone, we've had quite a lot of draws where we've been playing either Callum Robinson up front who, even though when he was at Aston Villa he was a striker, he's more of a winger. Um, so we haven't really sort of adapted as of yet. I do think we'll get there. We've brought in a couple of decent strikers who I think will take a little bit of time to settle at this level. But, you know, getting that money in for Hugh Gill for us, um, we're probably one of, I'd say, the three or four sort of lowest spenders in the division with the smallest squad, (laughs) along with yourself and probably Burton. Yeah, so it's great money to get in, and it's going to be sort of, interesting now to see whether we invest that in the playing staff again or we do what we did when we sold Nugent um, to Portsmouth all those years ago and and built a new stand (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) I remember you saying that last time Um, so yeah so so, yeah no that's that's really great insight and yeah two million and I know you said oh 20 30 grand is nothing the 20 30 grand is Robert Snodgrass for three days isn't it yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) Um, but I guess for clubs like Ipswich and Preston now, just holding on, because it could be a guy plays well for a season in the championship now. I think we said this last time you were on. That's 10 million, 15 million. You know, for like, you know, I always use a Somber Longer as the example. A guy who's proven over many, many games that if he plays 20 games, he'll score 12 goals or something, won't he? And they're automatically worth, worth 10 million. So I think. I think they played quite a good game of um, the, the, the art of the deal, really, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, West Ham had made it quite obvious throughout the transfer window that they were in the market for a striker. Um, Hugo had a bit of time left on his deals. So we were sort of the ball was firmly in our court, really. And I think we've done very well to get that amount of money. I, you mentioned the Sombolonga there. Sort of given the choice out of the two of them, Hugo or a Sombolonga, I'd take a Sombolonga all day. So to get sort of that kind of money for him, fantastic business on our end. There was people who were disappointed and a bit sort of annoyed with the club for not buying a replacement for him, which, you know, deadline day is going to be hard to find sort of a replacement when people know you've just come into £9 million um, worth of money. But 
earlier on in the transfer window, we'd signed a lad, uh, Louis Malt, from Scottish football, who's come in and looked okay so far. And we've bought another striker, Connor Simpson, who has come down from Hartlepool. I believe he's six foot five, six foot six, and only 18. So, you know, if he can go on to sort of have the impact that Hugh Gill has, you know, um, we'll be sort of quids in, really. It's it's interesting, this whole replacement thing, because... Um... I've mocked Arsenal fans for years, still going on about Patrick Vieira, right? Yep. And we had it with Daryl Murphy. Um, football fans always seem to want, if you sell Hugel, they're going to want a big, strapping, muscly, pacey yeah. guy. And it always kind of baffles me a little bit because, you know, there could be, you know, like you say about Robinson or um, Moore or whoever, there could be a really good player who's different who and you might have to play a bit of a different way. Yes. And it always kind of baffles me that people seem to want okay, you know, James isn't on the podcast next next week. I need a northern guy in a black t-shirt. It's like yeah. no no, get the get the guy who's get the guy who's who's best suited. But do you see uh I I just don't see Preston spending 5 million no. 5 million quid on a it's similar to Ipswich, you know. I just don't don't see them don't see them doing that in the summer, do you? No, neither do I. And I think that's a great point that you made. There was a lot of our fans crying out for, you know, another strapping centre forward who'll put himself about. But sort of, as I said earlier, I think, especially our midfield, the defence really sort of don't come into it, even though we've got quite a good defence. The midfield, all of them tend to be better suited to getting the ball down and passing it. Got pace out wide, sort of tip teams on the counter-attack and... While Hugo was good for us, it, it kind of made us a bit one-dimensional, the fact that we had him up there. So there was almost like get out of jail free card, we'll hit the ball up long to him. Whereas I, in recent games, even though we haven't been scoring the goals and getting the wins, we're on quite a good unbeaten run. We've looked sort of a better footballing team without Hugo in, which seems daft for me to say, considering you know the goals and assists he got for us this season. But I don't think we'll spend sort of even sort of three or four million I think in the summer we'll probably spend maybe one or two million on a striker and as has been the way with us recently rather than buying sort of established names we've been buying sort of players from say Premier League or Championship clubs who haven't necessarily been given a chance people like Ben Pearson for example Greg Cunningham Garner and Waghorn for two million I, I know Garner's probably quite well paid but that's 20 goals and 11 assists or something Yeah. now, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. So I think that'll probably be the route that they go down by one or two players for a million or so each and then seeing or taking sort of a wider look at things at the end of the season and seeing where best the rest of that money can be invested in. But, you know, we've already brought in, as I said, Louis Moulton Simpson. So. And can you tell me about Bowden as well? Is he going to be a first-teamer? Yeah, so since he's come in, he, he made his debut at Wickham in the FA Cup and obviously Wickham are a League 2 team, but doing quite well. So he stood out in that game as a player potentially who could, you know, look quite good for us. Um, going into sort of championship football, I wouldn't say he struggled, but he's taken a little bit of time to adapt. But over the last couple of games, Villa especially, you know, he, he looks like he's now sort of getting used to his teammates, starting to adapt to obviously playing at a higher level. And I do think playing the rest of this season and then having a full pre-season with our group going into next season. He does look like a player who who could be, you know, a, 
sort of one of our main players. He's one of those players that we haven't really got, even though we've got pace out wide. He also has the ability to sort of beat a man with a bit of skill, which, you know, we haven't really had in sort of quite a long time, really. So him and Barkusen complement each other perfectly on the wings. And I do think probably this time next year, we're having the conversation about how well he's done over the last sort of 12 months. Very good. Um, so there's a, a little dalliance, like you mentioned, with the FA Cup, but um, the run changes a little bit, but Preston's still very hard to beat. So since the turn of the year, eight league games, only two wins, five draws, so only only one defeat. Um, how, how is this playing out? Are you, are you very defensive and, you know, earning draws, or are you on the front foot and not getting not getting wins that you you maybe could get yeah we it's been sort of a mix really some games we've gone in and sort of set up a bit defensively and you know quite rightly with the caliber of teams that we've been playing but over the last couple of weeks really and don't get me wrong we're in a fantastic position just outside the playoffs and I wouldn't have predicted that at the start of the season so more than happy with that but the last three games, Brentford away, Wolves at home and Aston Villa away, we've set up quite attacking, playing attacking football. We've taken the lead in all three of those games and ended up drawing them all one all. Um, against Brentford, it's been one of our sort of bogey teams over recent seasons. So to get a draw there, you know, I can't really grumble with that considering we got beat 5-0 there last season and by the third goal, I was already in the pub across the road. So it was uh, an improvement on last year. The Wolves game and the Villa game in particular, the Wolves game for the first 50, 55 minutes, we were by far and away the better team. We didn't let them settle straight from the first minute. We were in their faces. And that was quite surprising considering uh, Ben Pearson, who's more or less the engine and what makes us tick in midfield was suspended for that game. Really impressed with the way we played and to go one nil up against obviously the league leaders and, and come away with a draw, a little disappointed to take the lead and then immediately have a man sent off um, for two sort of soft yellows and then immediately then concede after that. But, you know, a point at home against the league leaders are running away with it. Can't really argue with that. The one that's been a bit disappointing, and again, it sounds daft to say it, is the Aston Villa game on Tuesday night. We, and Steve Bruce has come out and said it, we were by far and away the better team. We took the lead quite, I say a lucky goal. Tom Barcusen sort of had an overhead kick over his shoulder, sort of a, a goal line sort of scramble. And Sam Johnson ends up, rather than punching it forwards, punching it into his own top corner. So we had chances to take the lead. But then... After we got that goal, we kind of sat back a little and invited a bit of pressure on, which hasn't really been sort of the way we've played all season. So that's the the one I'm disappointed with out of the most. Um, but, you know, to come away Wolves and Aston Villa, home and away, one each with two points and not lose a game, you know, I can't really be too disappointed with that, even though I would like us to have, if not both, at least one of them held on after taking the lead and, you know, hopefully get the three points out of it. No, I I was at Fulham Villa on um, Saturday um, and it was really, I mean, Villa are a good team, but Fulham are, in terms of a team, Fulham are an excellent team because, you know, they've been two years with Jokanovic. You just think with Villa, though, in a playoff game and, you know, John Terry and, you know, you said Snodgrass, Yedinak, they're going to be really, just those personalities in that team are going to be hard. So, um, 
uh, superb away draw there. Um, so going into Saturday, I'm going to read you the team that played Villa on Wednesday. Um, yeah. You tell me two things. How similar you think it'll be against Ipswich? Obviously, these are I have a nightmare with these. When you have a midweek one and Mick McCarthy's your manager, you're like, yeah, <laughs> it could, could play anyone, yeah. Um, and also give me give me three players um, stand out as well. So the team that played Villa was Rudd, Cunningham, Davis, Huntington. Fisher, uh, Pearson and Brown, Bowden, Robinson, Barkhausen and Malt up top. So how similar do you think we'll see? And if you can then go to three players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think straight away, the two that probably one definite won't play, Darnell Fisher uh, picked up his 10th booking in the season. So he's now suspended for two games. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So we've had Darnell Fisher, who's now on a two-game ban, and Ben Pearson, I believe now after Aston Villa, is on 11. So a quarter of our yellow cards for this season have come from those two players. So, um, so yeah, uh, I'd imagine Ruddle will keep his place in net. The goal we conceded against Aston Villa was a penalty, so not really sort of any blame on him. And it was uh, Barkies and Ufald, the the attacker. So I'd imagine Rudd keeps his place. I'd guess... Callum Woods had come in at right back and then the defence, the rest of it, had remained unchanged. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Pearson and Brown, again, I'd say start in the middle together. Uh, Alan Brown in particular, the last few weeks, has been by far and away our best player. The the Wolves game in particular, the amount of money they've spent in midfield on people like Ruben Neves, Alan Brown was head and shoulders above everyone on the pitch. And it was quite frightening, really, how, how much he stood out in a whole sort of in that game. So definitely them two in midfield, barring any injuries in training or anything like that. The front four, I'd expect to change a little bit. I'd, I guess Bowden would keep his place on the right. 
Barkisen limped off towards the end of the game against Villa with what looked to be an Achilles problem and the club have come out and said he is a doubt for, for the weekend. So I think we'll with the home games coming up after Ipswich, I think we won't take any chances on him. Um, so I'd guess maybe Horgan would go out wide or Callum Robinson would go to the left. In the centre, I'd suspect Josh Harrop would probably play. And then up top, I'd imagine Malt would keep his place because he did look, there were signs there on Tuesday night that he's starting to gel with his teammates now. So I think, yeah, potentially Barkusen will get a rest if he's not 100% fit. And then Fisher definitely will, will be out with, obviously, his two-game ban that's coming now. But apart from that, I'd say that we, in the large, be unchanged. Um, the three players to keep an eye on for a minute's point of view, straight away, midfielders Brown and Pearson as I mentioned Alan Brown the last few weeks has been absolutely fantastic the Villa game was the first game in four that he hasn't had man of the match so he got four consecutive man of the matches and then Villa I don't think they actually announced one because um, everyone played sort of quite well as a, as a unit so definitely him um, Ben Pearson he gets a lot of stick from opposition fans and the analogy I use for him is he's almost like a Gary Neville if and You'll say it with Joe Garner, I'd imagine, when we spoke earlier in the season. If he plays for you, you absolutely love him. He's a fantastic footballer, but he's one of these who gets in the opposition's faces. He's always in opposition players' faces once a free kick's been awarded, something like that. Um, but, you know, he gets a bad reputation, but he's a fantastic footballer and probably our most crucial player. So the two midfield be the ones to keep an eye on there. I think... To go with a third, and it'd probably surprise a few Preston fans, if Josh Harrop does play, I think, to keep an eye on him. The home games he has played this season, he's been quite a decent player. It's the away games where he struggled and sort of struggled to adapt really to sort of the physicality of the league. Coming from Man United, he's probably not used to to that really. It's but chaos, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So... I think if he does play, he'll be out to impress. He came on for the last few minutes against um, Aston Villa on Tuesday night, for I believe it was Barcusen when he went off. And he was looking to get on the ball every opportunity he could. He was putting himself about as well. And he does look like he's sort of bulked up a little bit. So I think if he plays, he'd be sort of the third one to keep an eye on. And then maybe as a bonus one, uh, Louis Malt, if he does get a start um, at home, for I believe it'd be only the second time. So, obviously, he'll be wanting to, to get on the good side of the Preston fans sort of as early as possible into his Preston career. What has happened to Johnson? He's been a great opponent against us for a couple of years. Yeah, he's he's still playing well. He just looks like... And there was sort of shades of it last season. He kind of gets to Christmas and then, I'm not sure what it is, if it's sort of fatigue or something like that, he kind of goes a bit off the boil. He's... He played well in the Aston Villa game, wellish in the the Wolverhampton game, but it looks as if he could do with sort of a game or two's rest, really. Um, he, I believe he's a confidence player, sort of watching his body language on the pitch, that kind of thing. And at the moment, you can see he is sort of in need of a rest. So I think if, if he was given a couple of games just to sit it out and he comes back in, He's got a point to prove again then. And that's when he sort of had a couple of games out. He does look to be sort of back to his best. So I reckon this weekend or maybe next weekend against Bolton, I suspect one of those two games, he'd still be on the bench, but maybe get a rest. Hmm. Sounds interesting though. It sounds like they've got the makings of a strong back five. The two 
the two centre midfielders yeah. are good, and you, you just seen a Barkhausen, Bowden, Johnson, um, Robinson can do their all. You know, all they're missing is a big strapping nine million pound centre forward now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you've got a great team there. Um, what's what's going to happen on? Uh, I'll go to the other question in a minute. How do you think it's going to play out on? on Saturday um, can, can I just preface this by saying yes. the team with the most draws in the league plays Mick McCarthy yeah exactly <laughs> so we've I've been saying for the last couple of weeks that to get out of Brentford Wolves and Villa either unbeaten or to pick up a few points maybe win one draw one lose one uh, it'd be good so we've come but out they, of the unbeaten you've got to then beat Ipswich though haven't you for that exactly. to anything yeah. so yeah our next two games are Ipswich at home and then Bolton away who are sort of struggling near the bottom so to come out of those three games these are going to be sort of the real sort of crunch games now we've come out of the games where people didn't expect us to get anything and now we're now going into games where people do expect us to get something we've found goals even though we've scored in most games Sort of since Hugh Gill's gone, we have found them quite difficult to come by. Aston Villa away on Tuesday, we had I think 21 shots at goal and only scored one. I think we missed one or two one on ones. You know, it's just the front four as a whole just need that lucky break to get one or two in a game, and then I think that'll sort of set them off. Then, so I'd like to think that we could win the game. The only sort of doubt in my mind and it is always the way when we play an ex-player um, and I know there's a, is there a little doubt over Garner's fitness so he played against Norwich um, got a yellow card and was a bit hyped up and Mick took him off not injured then he was injured for Cardiff on Wednesday I, I, know, I know Mick would snort at the suggestions we were told he was injured for Cardiff on Wednesday um, right okay, yeah. and he's on the coach oh, on the plane actually they're going up on plane um, today so he'll he'll either start or he'll be on the he, he's definitely going to yeah. do some minutes there so as is the way whenever we come up against the next player that has either been sort of a fantastic player for us or someone like Leon Clark for example Sheffield United who when he was with us never did anything Every time we play him now, whether it was for Berry or Sheffield United, he always seems to pop up and score a goal and looks a completely different player. And I'd imagine Garner knows we've recently on the town end, which is our sort of main stand behind the goal opposite end to where the Ipswich fans will sit. We've had 10 past legends photos, basically big sort of adding like a one photos blown up on the wall on the town end of legends and Garner's one of those. So to come back to Deepdale on his first outing since leaving us, to sort of many Preston fans and myself included, I can see or him scoring against us. Um, and it'd be just like Garner, obviously we all still love him at Preston, but it'd be just like Garner to be the kind of player that would celebrate a goal against his former team and the team that he supports, which, you know, I could imagine him doing it. Um, so I reckon Garner will probably score. I think both teams will score in the game, but hopefully we can, create enough chances and actually take them this time that we didn't do against Villa uh, and hopefully get the three points. And fair dues to Preston for showing the respect to to Ghana, you know, to put the put the picture up. I think that's really, really mm. cool. I think a lot of Ipswich fans, I think that's really cool. Um, just one from me. How do you compare Preston and Ipswich in terms of expectations? Because, I mean, Ipswich fans won't like me saying it, but, you know, two fairly 
pragmatic managers. The transfer policies are pretty similar. You know, guys in from Scotland and Ireland, you know, sell your better players. Um, How how do you compare the two? Yeah, I'd say we're sort of in that. I'd say in the championship this season in particular, there's obviously your top end teams and then there's the Boltons and Burtons that start the season you would have expected to be in and around where they are at the moment. I think we are in that sort of same little bubble as almost like a, a QPR or a Reading or maybe to some extent a Norwich, that sort of 13th to sort of 6th kind of chasing pack. The, the, fans the, will love that answer, by the yeah, way. <laughs> the, the potential's there. It's just whether the, either the owners or getting lucky with a manager or a certain player that'll take you to that next step. There's, there's the potential there. It's just missing one or two things that sometimes you can't necessarily put your finger on, almost like an X factor and something like that to take you to the next level. That's it. That's such a good point though. But, um, cause you say about getting lucky with a player and uh, I know we said it earlier in the pod, go and spend all the 9 million buy four, buy four players and, and go for it. But, Clubs like Preston and Ipswich don't do. They don't. You, do you know what I mean? They're yeah. And it, and it is smart, not not just you know loading up a whole load of wages and contracts and taking out all your all your money. So it's it's interesting actually that they are they are kind of um kind of similar in stature now really. Um right, let's go for some questions. I did put this up fairly late, so we don't have many. Um, has Ghana's ITFC form surprised you this season? Uh, not me. There's a few Preston fans, I think, who are a bit surprised, especially since the year we had him in the championship. He, I wouldn't say he looked out of his depth, but I think better quality defenders kind of found him out a little from what he was doing down in League One. But there was always the potential there. And to this day, it's still one of the things that annoys me the most that we did let him go when we when we did. I reckon if we'd have kept him and then Hugh Gill, we could have had, especially the two years that he's been gone, sort of a better crack at the playoffs. So not surprised by his form at all. Um, and he's playing with, you know, another striker in Waghorn who he seems to have a good partnership with. So not surprised in the slightest by his form. Um, has Alex Neal been instrumental to the good season you're having or has it been the ability to sign players like Pearson and Barkhausen and them clicking? I think Neil is a massive factor in it. I don't think we'd be where we are if we didn't get Neil in. If we'd have gone for someone like, I don't know, a Neil Warnock, for example, or someone like that, I don't think we'd be anywhere near as close to the playoffs as we are. We definitely that Neil's been the main factor. The the players such as Barkus and Pearson were all brought in by Simon Grayson, so it's going to be interesting over the next sort of 18 months if we can keep holding Neil. The kind of players he does bring in and can attract he's probably a more exciting manager to work with from a player looking Sorry into to the put the club. fear of God up you. The last 18 months, two years at Norwich, and I mean, Jack Reeve yeah. on our podcast did say it was the whole strategy, not just Niels. Yes. But he did not sign well at the end yeah. at Norwich. The, yeah, the thing that when he came, there was sort of that underlying factor with him where he'd failed at Norwich. And what was quite refreshing, because I've not seen many managers sort of do this, in his initial press conference with us, he was asked about that. And he said he's accepted that he failed at Norwich over the last couple of seasons and he's 
sort of looked back at things and he's prepared to learn from those kind of mistakes. Whereas usually you'd get a manager who'd be quite defensive over sort of what they did and be quick to sort of point blame on either the board or the players not trying their best. So I think after another transfer window or two, I'll sort of get a better sort of view. And I think compared to sort of Norwich, where there's the expectancy to be up challenging to get into the Premier League, it'll be sort of interesting to see how or what what calibre of players he brings in and works with at Preston where the expectancy isn't sort of as high. So it'll definitely be interesting, yeah, to, to see over the next couple of you're years. You're right, you're totally right. It's easier in one in one um in one way that the expectation isn't as high, but it's more difficult that you haven't got the money to pay yeah. the wages to, to get these guys and the transfer fees. Um this is Mark. Sorry, that was Mullet with those ones. And um, this is Mark are the pies still as good as they were when I worked in the pie stalls at Deepdale in the late 90s Moyes era? Uh, the ones that I've tried seem, well, I was born in 92, so I uh, I only started going on North End games sort of at the turn of the millennium. So from what I've tasted, you know, no complaints. I always remember um, one of the first times I ever watched Soccer AM, which is going back, mm. God knows how many years, couldn't put an exact date on it, but one of these soccerettes that they had on at the time mm. was, I think, a Wigan fan, and she said that Preston had the worst pies that she'd ever tasted in the country, and no idea why that still sticks in my head, <laughs> but um, from what I've tasted, yeah, they're absolutely fine. I haven't eaten a football pie. I had a pie at Middlesbrough, um, God probably 15, 16 years ago. And the coach dropped us back. And I just remember, this is all I'll say, having to run from the coach. <laughs> there's a, all the Ipswich fans will know, there's a KFC just off, off of Portman Road. Literally, guys, I'll see you in a minute. Wait for me here. <laughs> just sprinting off to, to KFC. In um, James, I think that'll do us. That's fantastic. As usual, um, a great guest. Um, and you think, Preston by a single goal. Um, yep. Just give me give me the plugs one more time. So for the um, championship pod and where you're going to be writing um, writing up about the game this weekend. Yeah. So as you mentioned, the championship podcast uh, comes out weekly where we cover sort of everything that goes on in the division as a whole. Um, so you can follow them on Twitter, which is at championship pod. Um, we'll be having yourself on over the next couple of weeks as well. So any Ipswich fans, definitely check that out because obviously Ben will be be back on in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to actually message you after, after about that. Can we do it after we play Hull? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely There's fine. Yeah, some chance we might actually win that game. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. I'll have to see you pressing out that weekend as well, so it can be quite a positive one. Uh, but no, knowing both of our teams, we'll probably lose those games where I agree to get you on, and then. Um, so yeah, check out the championship pod. It comes out every week on a Monday or Tuesday, depending on how my voice is after sort of music gigs. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so Deepdale Digest, um, the link to that is in my Twitter bio. And my Twitter is at underscore James Vickers. So check that out. Um, I'm 35. I don't know. And you don't break even. That's the script. Yeah. What yeah, am yeah. I supposed to do? Meet you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and my voice is still fine. Um, great stuff. Um, I need to do my... It says it says on here, my plugs. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, thank you for watching this, the, the, the Blue Monday podcast, obviously on YouTube now. So give us a subscribe and a thumbs up. Um, go and follow... James. Did you do your own Twitter, sorry? Uh, yeah, under, underscore James Vickers, yeah. So go and follow James on Twitter um, and... 
you can listen to the pod here on YouTube and on Acast and iTunes. Please give us a subscribe, five-star review, etc. Follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Blue. More importantly, follow our brand at Blue Monday ITFC. James, would you like to have the last word before I press this button here and stop recording? That's a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah. Big, big <laughs> pressure, yeah. Make, make, yeah. make this good. Hopefully it's a good game. Um, be nice to see Joe Garner back at, at Deepdale uh, if he isn't injured, um, which I suspect he's not after what you said. Um, <laughs> hopefully it's a good game, but you know, obviously as a Preston uh, fan chasing the playoffs, hopefully we come away with the three points. Great stuff. Enjoy, James. Cheers. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.